If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. Erica Harvey is the Director of Public Affairs at Lobby for Good. They are a social enterprise focused on bringing people together to drive meaningful change. Erica brings a wealth of experience in public and community engagement. She's an advocate for disability rights and educational improvement, gaining nationwide recognition for her Dear Jacinda letter and video in 2018. And that addressed the pressing need for increased educational funding in New Zealand, particularly for students needing extra support in the classroom. Her political engagement is evident from her recent role as the number 10 list candidate for New Zealand First in the last election. And we thought we'd have a chat, invite Erica on for a chat after we came across her post on X, read the whistleblower protection. And um, Erica is with me now. Hi, Erica. Thanks for coming on RCR. Hi, Paul. Thank you for the invite. You'd be happy even though you're number 10, and that means you didn't quite get there, I'm picking, on the math, but you'd be yeah. happy how that, how things turned out in the end. Oh, in the absolutely. Next? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think they're doing a great job with the 6% that they wound up getting, I think, were the final results, and um, I think they're doing amazing for just 6%, so I'm very proud. Just in the nick of time? Absolutely. You think? I think so. There's some huge, um, you know, we've got the whole IHR stuff that's coming up. And, um, yeah, I think it's just in the nick of time is a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, <laughs> the Dear Jacinda letter um, and video, I, I had a look at that before I um, we connected up to chat today. What do you uh, – that was back in 2018. Quite a bit's happened since then. So much, but – disappointingly not much has actually changed in the in the realm of how we're looking after students uh, in the classroom and the funding available for them there was a lot made of kindness by her and her, her government it was a kind government and they even had a name for the budget the well-being budget that's right that was all crap really wasn't it well, do you know, I think it's interesting when people talk about um, child poverty. I don't believe that that's more than that's just really virtue signaling, I think, because there is no such thing as child poverty. There's family poverty. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think a yeah, lot children of children are out of the workforce. It's not right. uh, the Industrial Revolution day one. That's right. Anymore. It's definitely not that anymore. We can be sure of that. And she was the minister for that, wasn't she? Yeah. Child poverty misnamed, as you pointed out. Yeah, she did never respond to, uh, I never got a response from her directly. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of highlighted to me um, all the different ways that you can lobby government for change by doing things in ways that uh, bring about discussion. Um, At the time when I stepped into that, the school had been raising these issues for years and years through the, those normal kind of avenues that you have as, as a mm. principal in a school. And um, it's just showing ways that you can use uh, creative, like marketing and PR, I guess, to get their attention. Because once yeah. people are like, wait, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Which is relevant, I guess, in the chat today around the whole whistleblower thing. Um, and then, you know, my our tweet was really around ways that you that it could have been done a bit differently so that the outcome perhaps could have been different than it than it is right now. Yeah. We'll get into that in just a moment. You came from the corporate world, right, before this 
Yeah, I did. Latest, this latest phase. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's a bit of a, diff- a difference, a bit of a change. Yeah, it's a huge change, but I think it brought with me a lot of skills because in the corporate, you have to deal with a bunch of, you know, egos and all mm. sorts of levels of bureaucracy. And so I think it armed me uh, really to be prepared for politics and to navigate things a bit differently, having to navigate that corporate world a bit as well, you know? Yeah, the um, the whistleblower, um, what do we call it? Um, affair? Scandal? Um, <laughs> That's nice. One day it'll have a have a name that everyone can agree on. Um, is it a good thing? I'm just you know in a binary way. First up, was it a yeah. good thing that even though it was clumsy and messy, he's in a tough situation. Could have um, maybe made a better job of it. Is it still? Is it still a benefit that we we know about this now, even though I mean, it was sort of crazy. Yeah, I think the benefit, I think there could be benefits for it, depending on the angle that you're looking at it. And I think also looking at, I guess, the um, the data itself. So what kind of data are we actually looking at? Um, you know, my thinking is that most of this would have, should have, um, depending on obviously the way that you look at the data, come out in the COVID inquiry. So um, I was kind of surprised in the way that it, it happened because I think when someone becomes a whistleblower, it's, it's like a, it's a courageous thing. It's, you know, very scary. And so I think for me, when I watched it all unfold, I felt bad because of the whole situation of how it did unfold, because there were ways that he could have been protected. And I don't feel like the whistleblower in this case was protected as he could have been given that there is a whistleblower protection act and, you know, all these different avenues to protect him. But in the essence of your question, I mean, public reaction always will play a big part into how things play out. So um, I think it's really watching how the public react, um, but then also the public being open to if the data is different than the parts that we're seeing, you know, it it kind of does muddle the water water a bit. Yeah. I mean, ideally it would be, it'd be great that it's all wrong because it would mean that, you know, the, the, the worry, well, I have personally that a whole lot of people have been injured or, or have died was more of just, you know, my bias in a construction of, 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 in my head, given what I was following. I'm ho- I hope it's wrong. I really hope it's wrong. Well, and, I hope it's wrong too. And I think in the context from just what I've understood, focusing mainly on, you know, elderly um, retirement homes, it could be a bit skewed. And I think the other part of this discussion, you have to think about the number of people who were also vaccinated, who were forced to be vaccinated. I mean, the last thing they want to worry about now is, you know, it, it can cause extra levels of anxiety and stress and mental health disorders for other people who are constantly thinking, oh, my gosh, is this, I have a headache. Am I going to have a brain in your, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've got to look at both sides. And I think the sad thing to me about the whole vaccine debate is that it's become almost like an us versus them. And it shouldn't actually be that, um, you know, even when I read on X, people are like, Oh, I bet you're vaccinated. I'm like, Oh, I bet you're not. And it's like, why is this the conversation? <laughs> this shouldn't be the conversation. The conversation should be, did you want to? If you did, that's great. If you felt you were forced to do it, that's an issue that we need to unpack and discuss. And we should all be supporting each other as we go through this. This is going to be, I think, 
something that we will look back on as a pivotal moment when society really took a change. And I think we have a obligation to see how we approach this to either be working together for the greater good for everyone, regardless of their stance, or we just, I mean, right now it just feels like an entire movement that seemed all around love and support are now becoming factioned off and almost fighting each other. And that's not helpful, I think, for the conversations that we're really needing to have right now. Yeah, it's interesting um, the, the sort of dynamics at play. Um, you could argue that uh, the, the same attitude of, of those who who were proud to be vaccinated back then is yes. sort of kind of flipped. And now uh, the similar attitude is with the people who, who think they dodged a bullet and anyone who did it was, is dumb and stupid. Exactly. Uh, that. But also, you know, um, I don't recall at the time there being a movement on the okay, everyone's free to do what they need to do, and uh, that's your choice, which is how I approached it at the time. I'm yeah. a little hardened uh, more now. Um, but it seems that um, that that people who, who held off are now being seriously criticised as cookers and crazy. And, and, and so, you know, th- that the other side still beating away yeah. at it as well, right? So... And I guess that's my point. It's not saying that one side's worse than the other. Both sides are actually acting terrible (laughs) to each other. Um, And it's just not, it's not helpful. And I hate the term cookers. I see, you know, certain people use it all the time and I'm just like, what? And yeah, I mean, not helpful. Well, it's an easy word. It's it's easy. I suppose anti-vax ran out of gas. Yeah. I've got another word and it's actually, um, I take it every time I hear it, I take it as a personal insult, actually. So, I mean, to call someone an anti-vaxxer implies that they're against vaccinations when that's not actually the case. The case would be just this one. You know, you got to look at these people's, uh, you know, why they made these decisions. I said to someone back in 2020, when uh, when all this stuff was going on, I said, the reason why the situation bothered me so much is that you have two groups of people to simplify it. You have a group that's so fearful of a vaccine or whatever you want to call it <laughs> um, that they would rather have COVID. And then you have another group who are so fearful of catching COVID that they want the vaccine. Now, I think having isolating one group and saying your fear is not valid um, is like going to a child who's scared of the dark and turning the lights off and telling them too bad, get over it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. It's just, it's not helpful. So I think, the whole way this entire thing rolled out from the very beginning by not recognizing you had two groups of people who were very fearful of different things. Um, you know, I think that's what started it off in the wrong. Uh, yeah. I think that's why we are. Yeah, but where we we are. were played off against each other. That's, that's actually the really dark, sinister thing here. Yeah. Is that, that there was an, an effort to play one off against the other. Yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> no, well, no, you don't do that unless you citizens. want. Right. What we've got. And I think the other thing that, you know, the prime minister, well, the ex-prime minister, um, Hipkins said, where when he came out and said, oh, it was a choice. I mean, <laughs> that's not a, a that's not a choice to say, lose your job, lose your family, lose your home if you don't do this. I mean, there's no that you can't. I mean, I that still bothers me. He's going to regret that for the rest of his life saying that. I can yeah. tell you that. Yeah. And, and, and good. He deserves it. Okay. Um, let's get on to how this whistleblower thing should have gone, let's say. Yeah. Uh, and it was the responsibility of Barry for himself, right? So he chose to do that 
his way, and I believe that he knew of other ways that it could be done. Let, let me put it that way. So yeah, well, that's what I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what I've heard. So if you're going to go and blow a whistle, and with such huge, you know, massive amounts at stake like this, um, first of all, you need good legal counsel, I suppose. Was there any sign of that? Not that I've seen. Like that would be the first thing that we I would recommend to do is you have to seek really good legal counsel. Why do Liz is a lawyer? And I think that's why I'm saying I'm not sure. You know, if she was advising with a capacity in which she was advising Barry, which um, you know, I think also not only does seeing what happened to Barry discourage other people from coming forward. But I think the purpose for me is to say there is actually a way where it can turn out differently. And you're right. The first thing you should do if you have something like this and you don't feel comfortable taking it to the agency in which you work, you would seek legal counsel first because there is a whistleblower protection act. There is a way that you can follow it. There is a way that you can still stay anonymous if you want to be protected. Yeah. And then by following these steps, it then ensures that you're protected and you can't get arrested because you followed the act. And that's why I think legal counsel would be one of the first things you should do to get advice and to have them walk you through the process. So he'd obviously, I think he's described it in this way that he he was managing this database and he was seeing the data that was the the picture, the pattern that was emerging from it as, you know, information was added to it. At that point, I mean, you don't want to tell anyone about it until you've yeah. firmed up, you know, um, your, your defenses and fortified your position even before you tell anyone. Well, and I think that's the other thing that's been concerning to me watching this play out is that, like, this data had been accumulated over a number of years. So data grows. And since it had been accumulating, what was the rush to jumpstart it right now before summer, before we even had a government formed? I mean, I think, you know, MPs are just now doing maiden speeches, you know? So, I yeah, mean, that's right. Yeah. And then they're going, then there's a Christmas break. So, what was the reason to jumpstart everything right now when like the timing just seemed like that could have been planned and, and Winston had come out because i remember saying it right here months ago that there yep. would be some sort of inquiry so you knew that there was something coming yep and they negotiated that in the coalition agreement it's in it's there there's one coming it's a broad scope i mean if i i guess if i were to play it in my head, I would have held on to something like this to see what was coming out. And if I thought there was a discrepancy, that's when I probably would have, you know, done something, cra you know, drastic or crazy by just going, hey, coming out with it, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I've got, you know, by by jumping the gun, did they really gain anything? But potentially Barry can now face seven years in prison. I yeah. mean, what was the. Yeah, mind you, um, having a martyr can be useful as well. Yep. To yep, rally people. Yep. That's all about the public reaction, I guess, to to this, yep. which is what we're seeing. Um, but then at the same time, you know, it could also, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the, I mean, long term, it's going to be very, a very interesting case, I think, to watch and to see how it plays out. Now, the uh, legal counsel is one thing. You'd want, um, and I think you've, this is one of your points, you'd want also, an you want it in the hands of an experienced reporter or journalist as well who can who can take that story and really punch it out um, 
we've got a few in New Zealand, not too many, but there are, there are a few with with a history who who could have done that. Again, that fortifies you, doesn't it? Yeah, it just protects your claim because, like, what you actually want is terrible. And I know we've, everyone's gone through such a hard time. Is you want to give it to someone who will play devil's advocate and ask you all these questions that are now coming so, up? Because, so road tested, yeah, absolutely, bust it, break rigorously. It. Yeah, you want people to not believe you because when your claim is insane sounding, you need to make sure it's robust. You need to make sure that you have everything documented, you know, and just be rigorously tested so that yeah no one can every question that comes up you know exactly how to look like it was strategic it was you know you knew exactly what you were doing and everything is playing this seems to have a bunch of different people all playing to their own i guess song sheet and yeah. poor barry's now just sitting there and he was the you know like it just seems a bit yeah it, it's sad and i think for someone who's risked everything to come out i just think that when we're looking at cases like this, it is helpful to know that there is a Whistleblower Protection Act. It can be followed. You can seek outside legal counsel and that there are ways that this can be done so that, um, yeah, you don't wind up arrested at your house. Yeah. Uh, the way he described the arrest, it's a bit over the top, isn't it? Um, and, and we wouldn't have understood that unless he put himself in this position, because even that tells you something. Yeah, and I remember in the first videos when there was this, you know, was like something was coming and the mother of all. Yeah, the mother of all revelations. Um, I recall in one of those videos, it was even mentioned he no longer wanted to come forward anymore. And just from chats I've been hearing in the background, it sounds like he had gone to other people because he didn't want to release it in this way. So the other question I had is, you know, then you know, did it just kind of go, oh, well, he wasn't going to come. So just, you know, throw it, you know, oh, here it is anyway. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know how it got to where it is, I guess. Is- well, you could, I mean, fairness to Liz, I'm sure she thought she was doing God's work. Yeah. But you also have, it's undeniable, possibly the baggage of of feeling like you, you could have done better at an election and that um, – <laughs> A certain party, uh, you know, came along and 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 became a conduit for a lot of votes that you maybe thought you'd clean up yourself. Yeah, and, I think politics plays a big part. You're right. And you want to stay relevant. And uh, hey, have I got something here? And because again, and now I don't like you know incredibly polished productions, but that that video was pretty ropey. It was kind of over amateur. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, um, and I look. I've just come out of the back of an election too, and I can tell you how deflating it feels when you know I was expecting New Zealand First to get over eight uh, percent minimum, and yeah. so you know I felt like that too. And you you kind of go through this period of like, oh gosh, because you've spent so much time and in, into a campaign, and you're busy, and everything's happening, and and then all of a sudden it's over, and it is like this very weird thing yeah. like trying to figure out how do i fit into the landscape and you put now. all that effort into it you put your heart and soul you put yourself on the line and it's yeah. not enough and yeah yeah so i mean i i feel for um anyone that's I mean, anyone that goes through an election it's tough i mean it doesn't matter if you get whatever percent even if you get 30 votes it is still very tough and it you yeah, take yeah. a beating by the public you take a beating yourself as you think about all the different things you could have done better and you know so so it is tough but i think that what we don't want to get into is 
um, what happened towards the end of that election was there was this huge shift and there was like attack campaigns everywhere. And, you know, what we should have been doing is, is actually coming together, not attack each other. And then it's over and then say, Oh, please help us because you're there and you promised. And it's like, well, we actually could have perhaps had even more percentage of, you know, people if we could work together. And then over these next three years, you know, we've been building New Zealand first has been building up this campaign for a very long time. Um, you know, we've been around, we just, celebrated our 30 year anniversary mm. you know so um yeah so is there, is there any talk uh, that you've picked up um that uh, there has been any any downside with what's happened recently on this this inquiry is there going to be some sort of effect is it taking so any sort of punch out of it does it cause any problems that i might have mentioned? i personally haven't heard because i think everyone's so busy with just trying to get as much as they can before the break comes but i do i have heard just from like outside of the political space where you know different um, groups and organizations are concerned just in the way that it happened that either a it will stop people from coming forward with stuff because they'll be afraid that they can't find the right path to take um but then secondly um i think you know, people are worried, like, well, what if the data isn't actually how it's been portrayed? Um, it's only focusing on a certain, you know, area or group. Um, and then when a COVID inquiry happens, does that mean that if it doesn't match and it's not as terrible as this uh, batch of data looks, you know, are they going to think that it's not accurate? So I think that there will be things that will play, but we'll only know what the effect is as we're going through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, though, if if that data um, is wrong and it could be shown to be wrong in in a heartbeat, which presumably it can be because someone has the information somewhere. Yeah. Um, and- th- then where is it? I mean, you could right. stop to this crazy stuff right now, and it, that hasn't happened. And it looks like the way that uh, he was arrested in the uh, through the employment um, uh, authority, um, you know, that's. I mean, that's not like the normal court, okay? Yeah. It's, a, it's an employment issue between two parties, not, yes. not, not the like entire a f- country and citizenry and barriers. Right, which is how the country has reacted and, like, globally, I feel, are reacting like, you know, he's in prison right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's it's different to that. You know, and I think some of the other issues you run into is that when you're dealing with data, I was watching, um, you know, Steve Kirsch, who you know, I don't know him personally, but the stuff I've been reading, he seems to be, you know, really great at the stuff that he does. Hmm. But there was just one term that I heard him use, and he said, I anomalize the data. Yeah. Which then leads you to go, well, then was it not anomalized? And then who no, it actually- wasn't. Right. So then you had to strip out sent- the names. Yeah. So when it was sent overseas, though, was that before Steve Kirsch? After, like, is there now? I think he got the whole thing and stripped out, this is my before? understanding. Okay. Before he released it, so his data or his interpretation of it is anonymized. But the I guess did Barry wasn't. release it to other people before that had taken place? Is just yeah, I think it, it seems that way, but which that is be hundred percent. Yeah. So I think it's those things, you know, like probably saying don't say that publicly, so nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. 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 Though um, again, um, the, the the way it's gone, it has forced. Um, certain uh, parties to act in certain ways, which does call into question. It adds to the um, confusion. It doesn't resolve it. Yeah, like um, I yeah, I think it's this this whole thing 
I think is going to be an interesting case study, like across everything. I mean, it highlights how COVID, I mean, I see COVID like significantly changed so much for New Zealand. Um, So much so that, you know, my husband who was born and raised and, you know, he was born in Coromandel and Tim's and grew up in Tauranga. He has loved New Zealand his whole entire life, never wanted to leave. And for the first time going through all this stuff, he was just like, I don't even recognize this country anymore. Like everything now is, you know, based on race and vaccination status. And, you know, before it was kind of like you were, you know, giving people like you would see people striving to be better and to achieve more and to, you know, um, then it just, yeah, it, it has really changed. Yeah, what happened? Really sad. What what, happened? Yeah, what happened in such a short time? I mean. Do you remember the songs that used to be sung with everyone talking about one, you know, or just a group of people, you know, New Zealanders working yeah. together and there are these beautiful songs that I used to see and sensitive was, to a smile. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> beautiful people. Yeah, that's whatever it. happened to that? Yeah. Yeah, what it's gotten and it seems like that's, it happened so fast. It's fascinating to think about to try and think where's the line in the sand for that? And I mean, even I was watching, my daughter was, um, she loves music and I, she was watching MTV and I was yeah. looking at the, the women dancing and stuff. And I just thought to myself, gosh, if people like a hundred years ago, they <laughs> could imagine their young daughter watching the stuff that she's watching on, t- they would probably be like, what in the, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. wow, you know, um, everything's changed. I mean, look, we're getting a lot of discussions through Lobby for Good, even around, um, you know, victimized, victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse. And, you know, there was just a case yesterday or the other, like the other day that um, spoke about a Christchurch man had, um, the, I think his stepdaughter or something con- said he was a monster and uh, he had sexually abused her and that he had permanent name suppression because of his businesses in Christchurch, yeah, Christchurch's business yeah. empire. And all I thought to myself was only a year ago, if you said anything about vaccine or if you had an opinion against anything that was opposite to any narrative you were cancer cultured you'd lose your job they put your name up everywhere people would be ringing you but this guy can you know do horrific crimes and no one will ever know who he is because he's got an empire of businesses that we must protect yeah and also for um, celebrities entertainment people they seem to get that similar treatment as well yeah i mean we've got to start looking at We've got to start looking at this as well. Okay. All right. Well, um, thanks for coming on. Some things to think about there. And uh, But the the, uh, the cat is out of the bag. The toothpaste yeah. is out of the tube. It is. <laughs> it's not going back in. Nope. But like, but there'll be a lot to watch. And so um, I'm sure like myself and you and many other people, we are all going to be watching and seeing how this unfolds. Popcorn time, as I keep saying. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Erica Harvey, Director of, of Public Affairs at Lobby for Good. If people want to find out more about Lobby for Good, where's the, how's the best way of doing that? What is it? Uh, lobbyforgood.co.nz. Um, we've yep. just started a new initiative where if you have a petition that's got 10,000 signatures, we'll look at taking it on and run a public lobby and hiring the skills we need to make a difference in that area. Oh, cool. Because yeah. that's the other thing. Um, and it's one thing I've I've heard a lot of, and we've talked to folk, um, you know, in the big picture and also in in local areas around the country. Is no one official really seems to listen to anyone? They make out that they are. Yeah, uh, they constrain any time that people have to put forward complicated 
positions, arguments that the other side have spent hundreds of thousands of on, on That's and right. uh, you know glossy and had all the time in the world. But uh, everyone's sort of like um, constrained to uh, oppose anything. Um, y- you have petitions, you know, 70, 80% of the community say no, but no one listens. They're not interested. Yeah. And that's why we really exist is, is filling in that gap because um, it's hard when the people who have the issues have, they have jobs, they have families, they yeah. have all these other things it, to actually follow something through. You actually need a dedicated team, which is why the people who usually lobby government are wealthy individuals who yeah. can afford to hire the skills that they need. And, so the, and they, they're successful usually. Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing the same thing, but we're flipping the model a bit on its head. And we're saying, look, come to us with an issue that has significant support. Let us see if we can crowdfund it. We'll develop what this lobby campaign should be, what we're trying to achieve. And um, yeah, keep the public yeah, notified as we as we go through the process. Cool. All right. Any Anything we've missed or anything you'd like to say before we end the chat? No, I just think that my, um, you know, everything I'm really wanting to bring up is just around how to do this differently and to hope that more people come forward, but also to recognize that, you know, I think there's just been a lot of great things that have also come out of this. It's not all bad. I think that, you know, Liz has taken a lot of criticism, but at the end of the day, she's done really good work in highlighting a lot of issues that people feel. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to take pot shots at people. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I hope that we can get to a place now where we can all just stop, take a breath and figure out how we're going to fix this country. Well said. And we can ponder that over the break. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Come back even harder next year. All right. (laughs) Sounds like a great idea. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on RCR. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to, Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057, or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today.